Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, it is Froth here. Thought Eater Blog, Thought Eater Podcast. Kitty's here. <laughs> I don't know if y'all can hear that. Kitty's here, the whole gang's here. So, I uh, hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening. And, Wow. I'll tell you, it's going to be one heck of a hump day blogorama today. Uh, it's a hump day blogorama show. I'm following RPG blogs all week. You know, why RPG blogs? Why do I do this show? Well, ask nobody. I just got a love for it because RPG blogs, I mean... It's the purest, it's the purest bastion left of DIY RPG, RPG, you know, as things are increasingly commercialized, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing like a blog where it's not really about the money. You're not trying to get any kind of waiting on some kind of corporate approval on the material. You're not, uh, you know, having to bounce your ideas off a bunch of other people before you put it out or collaborate. It's your individual, your pure individual love of the game coming out on the blog. So, and it's like, um, what's the movie? Ferris Bueller. You know, life moves pretty fast and all that. The blogs move pretty fast, you know, so hump day blogoramas when we stop so we don't miss it, you know. So I'm going to talk about a bunch of stuff I spotted on RPG blogs over the week and all the links that I discuss are going to be for you, uh, are going to be over at the Thought Eater blog for you in order at frothsoft, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. And this week, I'm uh, glutton for punishment. I don't know, or part of it too is uh, the ebb and flow of the blogs. For some reason, there was just a lot of blogging going on over the last week. Maybe it was people being done with conventions or done with the holiday and done with this and that and back to it. But uh, it's like self-abuse. I've got so many things I need to talk about. I don't know how long this one will end up, but i got the feeling it's going to be one that... You, you good listeners out there, you <laughs> that, that put up with it can, you know, we might have to break this one up into, you know, two or three listens. I don't know, but I'm excited to get into it. Ton of good stuff. All the uh, regular um, segments, you know, maps and random tables and free stuff, reviews. Also got a lot of 5e stuff to get into. And then uh, final topic, we're going to get into the whole... Um, consent in gaming checklist thing that you've probably seen getting talked about all over social media on multiple blogs and everything else. So huge show today. Got a, just a few call-ins that we're going to get to though. Um, so we're going to get into that. First, I got John Allen Large. Actually, you know, before I get into that, there's something I wanted to talk about. So you may have seen this getting mentioned. Jim Cramer 
from Usherwood Publishing that did layout and worked on a bunch of stuff for Osric, a bunch of other stuff. Um, has had some health problems. Actually had multiple brain surgeries to remove tumors. And so a lot of the folks from uh, Knights and Knaves and otherwise have put together a zine to raise funds uh, for Jim Cramer. And it's called Saving Throw, and it's in PDF now, and uh, there'll be a print version to follow. And so I've got the link from uh, Grodog's blog, grodog.blogspot.com, talking about that. And then Bryce Lynch from 10-Foot Poles already got a review of it up, and it's a great review. It's got Gabor Lux did something on this. Let's see some of the other names. Uh... Joseph Browning, Guy Fullerton, um, Grodog, you know, names that you've heard, I'm sure. Uh, uh, awesome illustrations. You got Del Tegler, um, Dennis McCarthy, bunch, you know, a bunch of names that you should, uh, that you probably recognize. So this is an opportunity to get something that you probably would have bought anyway, honestly. It looks like a killer Osric zine, you know what I'm saying? But, uh. Also to fund, to put for a good cause, so I want to make sure that I mention this first. So check out the links. I got a link, like I said, to Grow Dog's blog talking about, you know, what's behind this and and why it's why it's something you should support. And then also check out Bryce Lynch reviewing it. You know, Bryce isn't gonna be sweet under any circumstance and uh, got a killer review. So I want you to check that out. All right, so let's get into the call-ins. I got one from John Allen Large from Red Dice Diaries coming first. Hey, Froth, it's John from the Red Dice Diaries. Just catching up on some of my podcast listening, and I was listening to your episode where you're asking people how they use weather in their games. Now, I've been using the advanced weather table from Tobin Barnes. That's T-O-B-A-N-B-A-R-N-E-S for my Middlelands game. It's a PDF that's available for pay what you want on drive Through RPG. And it's a fairly simple sort of table. But what I like about it is rather than it being entirely random, you have a marker which shows where the weather is at present on the table. Then you roll dice and that determines whether it goes up or down depending on the season and how it relates to their perfect day. So if you give advanced weather table a quick look on drive through, I'm sure you'll find it. Thank you for the episode, dude. Take care and I'll catch you soon. It's John Allen Large again there from Red Dice Diaries, uh, kind of continuing the uh, discussion on weather that's been going on over several of uh, my podcasts recently. And yeah, John, thanks for pointing that out. I actually am familiar with that. That advanced weather table is one of the products that I put up on my um, free Pay What You Want 5e DMs Guild highlight posts uh, a few weeks back. Uh, and now I've got the link up under the intro tab, along with the, uh, the Jim Cramer stuff I was talking about, uh, for other people to check it out, but, um, just to get another little plug in for my own stuff. Every Saturday, I put up a, a blog post on the Thought Eater blog, if you're into 5e, where I go through all the free pay-what-you-want stuff that's been up on the, goes up on the DMs Guild that week and pick out some, uh, some favorite stuff. And the reason I do that is because it's usually like, you know, 40 to 60 or more 
um, products that go up a week. You know, people thought third edition got a lot of third party support. No, nothing compares to 5e. Trust me. Probably more stuff out for 5e than all of the decades of third party. Well, maybe not. Look, it's a lot though. I mean, it's at least 60 things a week, every week. Um, and that's just the free pay what you want stuff. So I don't know. It's got to be getting close to any additions, uh, third party stuff. But uh, I shouldn't make those claims when you know Froth has no solid numbers. But I do know it's a lot. And um, granted, a lot of it is not, you know, not professional and doesn't aspire to be. And some of it's really not well edited or not good. But there are several things a week, you know. Uh, that are outstanding uh, that you can get for cheap or, or you know or free and uh, this was one of the things I pointed out so it's cool that you pointed it out as well and yeah it's like a weather table with like a sliding scale so it's an interesting idea like I say I've got the link up there thanks for pointing it out uh, John and um, so folks can check that out and then check out those uh, blog posts out on Saturdays if you're into 5e on the Thought Eater blog you might dig them uh, all right, we got Jason coming up next, and um, from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I think I got that right. Brand new podcast that Jason's doing, and uh, let's see what Jason's got to say. Hey, Jason here. Just want to call it, let you know we're still appreciating your shows. Excellent stuff. The Ralph Baskey and the Rankin and Bass, you know, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and Return of the King, were my, are really my lord of the rings movies tolkien movies to be honest with you that's what i grew up with and um i much prefer those the peter jackson ones um the other thing i want to mention was you mentioned labyrinth lord love labyrinth lord i love all goblinoid games i think they do a great job between that and mutant future and the old paysetter games they got the rights to are great you can buy time master all that through them the old system, they had a chart on there, you know, a universal action chart kind of thing that worked pretty well, actually. He didn't get the rights to the Chill name, but the old Chill role-playing game, the first edition Chill, he redoes as Crip World, which is a great clone, so worth checking out. It's Jason there from the new Anchor Podcast, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, talking about a couple of things that came up on last week's Hump Day Blogorama. And you know, these Hump Day things never get old, so if you're a new listener uh, long time listener, you've missed a couple episodes, go back, you know, check them out. Um, they're not going anywhere and uh, you got still got all the blog posts and all that good stuff up. Um, so, you know, amongst other things, we talked a little bit about using imagery in games and, and, uh, how, uh, some of the iconic media for Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings related stuff has stuck in our heads. And yeah, uh, I had that the return of the King, uh, um, read along storybook record and has like songs like a orc battle song and stuff like that that I, I listened to over and over so I know exactly the stuff you're talking about and how those songs from that, that show uh, and yeah I definitely um, Goblin with Game stuff very familiar with all the pace setter stuff I love Crip World love Chill and I love Crip World and I've been begging Mr. Yoder from Random Encounters in the Library, because Yoder's into chill. 
And I'm like, Mr. Yoder, what's up? When are you going to run chill for me? So, I mean, run some Crip World for me. So, they gave me another great opportunity to call Yoder out in front of my entire audience. Say, Yoder, let's do it. <laughs> anyway, now I got a call in from... You thought that Cody M from No Save For You was mysterious. Well, no. I mean, he is mysterious, but his brother, Tyler M, is even arguably more mysterious. Tyler M from the recently started Anchor Podcast, 20-Sided Life. Let's hear what Tyler M's got to say. Hey, Froth. It's the mysterious brother here. Um, just wanted to say I'm inspired by the way you lay out your podcast I like that you do the hump day show on, uh, on Wednesdays and your, uh, session recaps and your five minute Fridays and stuff. So I, uh, I started doing something similar on my podcast. I just started, um, mechanic Mondays where I talk about my game mechanics and probably going to start talking about other game mechanics. And, um, on Saturdays, I'm going to be doing setting Saturdays where I talk about some of my game settings that I have going around in my head. Um, and if I ever get to play, I'm probably gonna start doing session recaps on Wednesday. So, uh, I just want to let you know, I'm loving what you're doing and keep it up, man. Talk to you later. Tyler in there from a 20 sided life. And yes, thank you. First of all, very much for the kind words. I'm glad you enjoy the stuff. Very appreciative of that. So thank you. And as to your comments about scheduling, you know, for me, I think, well, for, you know, everybody's different, but for me as a blogger or podcaster, and I think for the audience, I think having a set schedule is a good thing. I've had a lot of people tell me, Hey, uh, Wednesday morning on my way to work, I listen to the hump day or Hey, every Friday, that's my day where I listen through the hump day or I like Sunday you know, I don't have to do anything. I catch up on this. I know I'm going to listen to set, you know, whatever. And, um, it helps me to, if I didn't have a schedule like that, I mentioned before, if I didn't have a set schedule, I, I'm sure I'd flounder around and stuff wouldn't get done. It was the only way that I could really make myself, uh, get into the habit and, and, and do it. And so coming up with things like you're doing, Thing, uh, t- set topics or set ways that you're going to do things on different days, I think is a great idea. Maybe not for everybody. You know, there's a lot of great anchor podcasters and others that, you know, can just do it when, when, it, when they feel like it. And it's not like I don't check out their shows, but, um, if it, I think it's good for your audience to be able to expect when something's up, you know, when a new show is going to be up and, um, it helps me stay on schedule. So, Anyway, that's just my opinion on it. Um, but anyway, thank you again for listening, and I'll definitely be checking your stuff out. It sounds like a cool lineup. You know, the other thing is, you know, maybe don't be like Froth. Maybe don't bite off, eh, you know, work your way up. <laughs> don't bite off more than you can chew because you don't want to get in the position where it feels like work and you're like, oh, I can't do anything ever on a Tuesday night because I'm doing this, you know. You've got to have some kind of balance, but I'm sure you will. But, uh, all right, so we're about to get into the show. The last thing that I've got up under the intro tab, though, is I wanted to do a, uh, a shout-out over to the Lord Gwydion blog. 
This is the What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse, lordgwidian.blogspot.com. They celebrated their 10th blog anniversary, their 10th anniversary. Um, so, and this is uh, Dennis LeFay. And their blogs come up on here before, but I noticed that they were celebrating a 10-year anniversary. So I wanted to say, you know, happy blog anniversary to you over there, Dennis. Great job on the What a Horrible Night to Have a Curse. And here is to 10 more. All right, so getting into the map stuff. And the map stuff is just outrageous this week. I'll just go ahead and tell you all. Uh, I always talk about RPG maps, stuff you can use for maps. So it's just something I'm into. Um, and... Bringing you, all, bringing you the heat this week. Starting over at the things we do for XP, Orloff's blog. The things we do for xp.blogspot.com. They put up a cr really cool post. Handicrafts, felt ocean and islands for pirate battles. And these are some maps they made. I put up a really cool image and there's several more with this blog post. Go check it out. But uh, they're talking about running a naval campaign you know, and how to do battle maps with them. And they talk about going to the fabric shop and getting all this felt to make layers of deep ocean, shallow. So, you know, they got the rich dark blues for, uh, for, um, for deep ocean. Then they got, you know, lighter blues for the, for the lighter and, uh, beaches and grasses and i thought it was just a really cool idea laying out the felt and stuff like that this i thought it was awesome so go over and check that out really inspiring cool diy handicraft post from orloff over there at the things we do for xp and the frugal gm showing off why they are in the blogger hall of fame here on hump day bloggerama put up a post free gm resource historic cities map collection so you follow the link here and it takes you to this historic city site and it's got this old map like of Europe, you know, um, and you can click anywhere on that and it'll zoom you in and then you can click any of these cities, right? And you click on the city and then you'll have usually more than one, you know, one or more options for these old, old maps, you know, 1700s is, is recent, you know, a lot of them are from the 1500s. They're unbelievable. For any kind of historical, pseudo-historical game, I put one up of London from the 1500s, just super cool, but I mean, it's just scratching the surface. I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of these with high-res images that you can download, so if you're running anything, I mean, certainly for doing Lamentations of Flame Princess or these Midderlands games or anything in uh, historical or pseudo-historical Europe, unbelievable maps, so... Thank you uh, to Stogdal over at Frugal GM for putting that up. Definitely check that out. And then speaking of historical maps, um, Ray Otis from Plundergrounds, the Plundergrounds podcast and Viridian Scroll blog uh, uh, tagged me mentioning these, thinking I'd like them for the hump day, and, and uh, Ray was right. And these are similar to some stuff that I've posted before, you know, classic real um castle floor plans that you can use in your game so this, i've got this link up to this now this is an older post um, um from the sock studio blog walls is rooms british castles and lewis Kahn. and uh but it's got a ton of images of old castle floor plans you could just i mean a lot of these are almost like geomorphs you could port straight into your game or they can give you inspiration for how r actual castles were laid out that kind of thing. I love these old classic floor plans. So a lot of inspiring images there. 
and I appreciate Ray for mentioning it to me. So check this stuff out. All right, so like I mentioned at the beginning, I've got some 5E stuff I want to get into this week because there was just a lot of news and, and stuff, uh, free stuff, a bunch of stuff that came out for it. You know, this show skews OSR, but I talk about all kinds of games. I do talk about 5E as well, so uh, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a gamer. You know what I mean? I'm just a gamer that doesn't get to play nearly as much as they'd like to. Um, but um, anyway, let's get into it. So... A few weeks ago, I showed like the cover they had for this new Eberron, Eberron book that's coming out, and uh, I just thought the cover was terrible, personally. And uh, apparently a lot of other people did too, because they have changed the cover. Um, this is from over at geeknative.com. Uh, I've been seeing this around other social media too. They, they've changed the Eberron cover. Um, and I think it's better, although it has a weird kind of Star Wars vibe, sort of, to me in some ways, but... Um, Anyway, uh, it said, uh, uh, as far as the criticism, Wizards seemed to respond in a couple different ways by saying it was a temporary cover, that they liked it or whatever. Apparently, they're keeping that other image as part of the, you know, uh, chapter, you know, a chapter uh, image or something in the book. And I, I hate to be too critical of it. It's not like, compared to my art, I mean, it's a masterpiece, you know, what I'm saying. I just didn't think it was a great book cover, so... I'm sure um, I wouldn't want um, whoever did that. I'm sure probably some of the blowback maybe hurt some feelings or whatever, and that would be unfortunate. But you know, you got to be able to be critical of stuff too, and it just didn't work as a great book cover. But of course, they're a t talented artist, much more talented than me. But anyway, I think the new co the new cover is an improvement. Still not as cool as the uh, limited edition one with the skyships and stuff, but and then it's also got a a little image that um, uh, that it mentions about wizards announcing updates to the first five E thing wave wavefinders guide that was just like a PDF and um, and then it's got uh, this little checklist that shows what's in the Wayfinder's Guide and what's in the Rising from the Last War, which is the new book. So you can kind of compare, you know, you're going to end up getting a lot of duplicate stuff, I'm guessing. But, but anyway, so that's just some Eberron news. If you're, if you're interested in following along with that, then there was a new, uh, Unearthed Arcana, Sorcerer and Warlock, uh, new Sorcerer's Origin, the Aberrant Mind, and a new Otherworldly Patron for the Warlock, the Lurker and the Deep. So that's another free download there. Uh, I've got a link to that from the Watsy site if you're following along with the Unearthed Arcana. If, you follow, if you've downloaded all the Unearthed Arcana over the, the years, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a basically like having a whole other source book. So check that out. Then uh, Dyson Logos uh, comes up on the program often, DysonLogos.blog. They um, announced uh, that they had... Some of their cartography and the new Descent into Avernus, you know, the kind of hell-based uh, planar adventure that's uh, release is imminent now. There was an image on their blog of one of their maps there. So cool that Dyson's gone from, uh, you know, just, you know, OSR legend to, to doing all these 5e books. Really cool. So congrats to Dyson. You can check out that image over at the Dyson's Dodecahedron blog. There was a review of the D&D Essentials Kit over at the Dreams in the Lich House blog, dreamsinthelichhouse.blogspot.com, John Arendt's blog. 
And uh, this is something that I got from you know Target right when it came out, but um, now it's in wide release, so you'll probably see more people talking about that since everybody, even if you're not near a Target or whatever, you can can access it pretty easily so there's a, a cool review of that i think it's a great starter set the dnd essentials kit and let's see okay some adventurers league stuff as well see this all came out this week so i figured i'd do a 5e little 5e section the dnd adventurers league you know is the organized play for 5e and there was a lot of blowback from the last season because they kind of made this convoluted reward system and everything and they had made it really kind of complex and strange like you couldn't keep gold that you found and it just kind of it just got weird and a lot of people complained about it you know i'm sure some of it was kind of just internet trolling but then there were just a lot of just people complaining about it because it was confusing and it didn't make a lot of sense and it didn't really feel very D D. but they've revamped the whole thing and they've come out with a new uh, campaign documentation and how to transfer your characters and stuff and i think it's a lot better uh, character advancement now you do you do an adventure you gain a level and I think that's really smart for some people that might seem oh that's so fast but you got to think about it you're maybe if you're like me you're rarely playing uh, these games and um, you still you know they want to I think eventually let you experience high level play you know so if you're doing like three or four you know Pathfinder you play three games uh, a level you know to level up uh, and that seems really slow, you know, and that's why you see so many more low-level games. Um, so leveling up once every session, I think, is a cool idea, personally. I can see myself, hey, you know, actually getting into some high-level 5e play on these things. And then they've got they've changed how the magic items work and the gold. I just think it's a lot better. A lot, lot, lot better. And, um... Uh... And as far as uh, transferring your, well, I'll just let y'all look at it if you're interested. I've got all, both links up to the the, the new uh, Adventures League documentation. So if that's something you're interested in, you can check that out. I guess the, the long and short of it is I think it's a, a dramatic improvement. And then finally, uh, as far as 5e stuff goes, over at ArcaneEye.com. Uh, the Arcane Eye put up a guide to 5e D&D adventures. And I think this is cool. It's got, you know, goes through all the, the major hardback 5e adventures. There was something else like this recently that I put up. But the reason I like this one is it's kind of got little bullet points about it. Tells what levels it goes up to. It kind of rates the DM difficulty in running it, you know, in their opinion. And the player difficulty. A little blurb about what it's about and some pros and cons. So I think this is, as far as any of the kind of overviews of all the 5e adventures, I think this is the most helpful, um, helpful one that I've ever seen. So uh, definitely, if you're trying to wonder what uh, 5e adventure to buy next, or or you have anybody ask you about that, I would point them over to this guide to 5e adventures over at arcaneye.com as a source of information. All right, reviews and retrospectives, starting over at the Coins and Scrolls blog. This is Skirple's blog, Skirple's blog, coinsandscrolls.blogspot.com. They're doing a review of the Demon Collective Volume 1. I backed this on Kickstarter. It came out, uh, I just got it in the mail uh, within the last couple weeks. Uh, it was part of the, or it came out at the same time, I don't know, it was part of the uh, Zine Quest thing on Kickstarter. 
a lot of up and coming OSR or just game designers in general and folks you probably already heard of Camilla Greer, Mabel Harper, Comrade Pollux, David Sugars, Lauren Bryce, uh, Shay, Odysseus Jones, edited by FM Geist, and it's really cool. And uh, Skirples gives a fair review of it. I haven't read the whole thing yet, just kind of leafed through it, skimmed it. Uh, it comes with these like extra cards to help you run the adventures. Cartography's excellent. Layout looks really cool. I'm really happy about it. And I love that it says Volume 1. I'll definitely be checking out Volume 2. So this is something that's in wide release now. The Kickstarter is shipped. So if you're in, you know into some kind of uh, kind of dark kind of adventures, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, this is great because you get four adventures in the, in the one... Um, you know, in the one volume, and uh, so and most of them look like you can run them in a you know a couple sessions. So anyway, definitely some cool people involved with this one, and I, I think it looks great. So check out this review and pick it up. Demon Collective Volume One. Then over at the Retired Adventurer, they did a review of Pathfinder 2E. I know I put up one of these recently, but I like Pathfinder 2E. You know. If you're going to crucify me on the OSR cross or something, you know, you know, if, if, if liking Pathfinder 2E is a sin, let me be guilty or, you know, a crime, what was that old obsession thing? I just like the way they did it with the, with the character creation and the feats and stuff. It's cool. I mean, it's complex. It's not simple, but, um, it's a dramatic improvement. I love it. Uh, I think it's great. You know, I think it's a great game. So. Anyway, I'm plugging Pathfinder 2E again, you know. Check that out over at retiredadventure.blogspot.com. Then Robot Goblin at robotgoblin.com did what I think is one of the best uh, kind of uh, introductions to Tunnels and Trolls I've read. F Balance, Let's Dance, Tunnels and Trolls Kicks Ass. And they've got a real way with words on here uh, discussing the mechanics and stuff of Tunnels and Trolls. I thought it was a really enjoyable read, so if you want to... Read about how Tunnels and Trolls works. You could do a lot worse than going over to robotgoblin.com and checking that out. Then there was a review of Nate Treem. I've talked about Nate Treem stuff, uh, Tunnel Goons and a bunch of other stuff over the weeks. There's a review at These Old Games. This is Phil Viverito's blog, theseoldgames.com. A review of a little mini zine they put out, Miniature Treasures, the Moldy Unicorn. And they loved it. So, uh, um... Check that out. I believe you can get all this stuff back in Nate's uh, Patreon and everything. Uh, so if you want to see this cool little mini zine, The Moldy Unicorn, I thought this was a neat review. Makes me want to back the Patreon. Probably will end up doing so. So I can get some more good stuff in the mail. NZGuys.com. They've got uh, Thilo Graphs blog. They've got a review of The Chest by Aaron Fairbrook, a.k.a. Malrex from the Merciless Merchants. Uh, a great positive review, as usual. Malrex really knows how to do a, a good module, so thought I'd point that out. I, I don't know. This, these are usually statted for second edition. Yeah. But, I mean, you can use that with anything, but they usually give uh, 2E some love. The For Gold and Glory uh, retro clone. You don't see that a lot, so. But anyway, another positive review on a Merciless Merchant's release. And then finally, Ray Otis at the Viridian Scroll did a review of Rob Kuntz's book, Dave Arneson's True Genius. 
Um, I can give you my review, one word review of it, unreadable, but, uh, if you want to, uh, but Ray does a lot better job than that going through it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, like I said, you can stick with my review on it or you can read what Ray has to say about it. I think Ray's more than fair, uh, about the book. Um, and so go over there and check that out if you're ever curious about what that book was all about. Let me roll it. Let me roll it to you. Yep, we're going to roll on some random tables. And you got the extra treat of a little... The dulcet tones of, of froth. <laughs> I'm going over the old school FRP Tumblr. Old school FRP.tumblr.com. This post, it, it has an excerpt from the City System, uh, Forgotten Realms, AD&D product, back from the late 80s. And this just reminded me why I find that to be <clears throat> the finest, besides maybe the original Forgotten Realms box, the finest of all um, Forgotten Realms supplements that ever came out. So it's filled with awesome random tables that can really help you generate, you know, make Waterdeep feel alive and the stuff's useful for all kinds of city stuff. So they put up an excerpt from the table, Picking Pockets. Now this thing actually, as they mentioned, kind of goes on forever and it gets more and more detailed with with uh, all kinds of sub-tables sub and stuff. Uh, uh, but this is kind of like the, the, the short version of it. That's what we're going to roll on. So... Basically, you roll D100 to see what kind of item you lift off somebody with picking pockets. And you're most likely going to find a common item, possibly a valuable item, and then maybe low chance of a special item. So let's see. Yeah, we're finding a common item. And we found a deck of playing cards. Picked a pocket with some picked a. Picked a peck of pickle peppers. <laughs> Pick some playing cards. Let's do one more on here. Oh, I got a valuable item, so let's go down to that table and see what we get. Um, yeah, so D6 copper, D6 silver, D6 gold. So, you know, the, the, the more valuable, you know, the higher you roll, the more valuable the stuff becomes. So this is a really handy, like, you know, pickpocket table you could use really in any, any game, any uh, kind of fantasy game. So check that out. And then if you've never checked out the city system, even if you're not a Forgotten Realm fan, Forgotten Realms fan, uh, I really think that was one of the great TSR products. Great box set, amazing water deep maps too. So uh, good trip down memory lane, something I'm a uh, product I can't recommend highly enough if you're into the Forgotten Realms. So. We'll go over to Ann Hunter's blog, DIY and Dragons. They had put up a post last week that I talked about, a, a dungeon alphabet dozen, you know, rolling a D12 to find something. Last week it was sewers, now it's D is for doorway, doorways, random pain in the ass doorways of the underworld. So let's see what we get. Almost lost my dice. Okay, so in this, this doorway, uh, the door loudly slams shut between each player character who uses it. It's no trouble to reopen it, but the noise means there's a one in six chance that a wandering monster will appear in the emptier of the two rooms immediately after it closes. So a door that just slams and draws monsters to you. Do one more on here. Got a 12. The door can't be picked 
The door can't be lockpicked or bashed down, but whenever player characters knock, instead of a knocking sound, they hear a voice saying, Knock, knock. If they answer, Who's there? and allow the door to finish the entire joke, it opens on its own. So that's cool. Very old school vibe to that. Good stuff from Ann Hunter over at DIY and Dragons. Dungeon Alphabet Dozen D is for doorways. Then I thought this was cool at Two Goblins in a Trench Coat, Two Goblins in a Trench Coat.blogspot.com, D100 Discordant Wizard Names. And no, that's not discordant like uh, Robert Anton Wilson or anything. Or um, This is talking about, uh, came from the OSR Discord channel. So it's D100 wizard names. You know, they, you know they, over at the OSR Discord, they mentioned there's a channel called D100 Democracy where you can present a prompt and everyone contributes entries until the table is full. So uh, cool stuff. And I wanted to read a couple of these first. I know I'm, I'm going to roll on it too, but I just thought some of this was funny because these were all in a row. Like, So wizard names. Number 23, Paul Gregson. Number 24, Greg Paulson. Number 25, Greg Paul Gregson and number six, Chuffield Dandelion. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much, but I just thought that was hilarious. All right, let's see. Wizard name Fej. F H E Z H. Fej. Do one more on here. You meet a wizard named. This space intentionally left blank. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So funny stuff. Uh, looked like a collaboration between uh, uh, Madeline, Lexi, Screwhead McDuff, Don Delir, Madeline, another Madeline or Madeline, Madeline or Madeline. And uh, this is coming from Type 1 Ninja. So cool stuff. Good stuff, Type 1 Ninja. Good job, y'all. And now a word from our sponsors. When is Froth going to shut up and just get to the free stuff already? Well, here we go. Starting over at Sholmont Games. Sholmont Games, let me see if I've got a name. Max Vander Hayden. Mac, no, no, that's not right. No, it is. Max Vander Hayden. Using the hex kit map. Uh, this hex kit mapping thing. Let me see if I can find out who does this hex kit mapping thing you can buy uh, I know probably a lot of people have seen it before but it's really cool I'm trying to oh Cecil Howe I should have known that uh, anyway so you can buy this hex kit thing to, to make these cool hex maps that you'll see on these but um, uh, Max has put up two posts uh, this last week one ice flows of Stygia and one the Arctic Trail, and they refer to them as one-page preps. So these, it's got a you know a blog post with it, but then you can download these as a PD, as a PDF, and it's like a one-page you know hex map, one-page you know plenty for an adventure. And I thought this was a really cool format. The maps look great. The ideas are cool. So two links you'll see there from uh, Sholmont Games uh, with the two one-page prep PDFs to download. Then Evelyn M. Uh, over at Le Chaudron Chromatique, the Chromatic Cauldron, chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com, put up her own Tunnel Goons Jam. You know, I mentioned Nate Treem's Tunnel Goons Jam over the past couple weeks, and Evelyn did Tiny Goons. And it's got Evelyn's awesome artwork on this, free PDF that you can download. Uh, awesome, so don't miss that. 
uh, the artwork's unbelievable. So check that out. Then uh, Talisman over at uh, Nine and Thirty Kingdoms has another couple of pamphlet jams, uh, pamphlet zines up for you. Urban Geomorphs, the Common Quarter Block Three and Four. Talisman's always turning these out, so I got a couple more up there linked over the Nine and Thirty Kingdoms for you to check out. More free stuff from Justin Ryan Isaac at the Punverse.blogspot.com blog, the Halls of the Nephilim. Thank God it's Friday, free PDF. And say because it's Friday the 13th and they love that movie franchise, they compiled a short PDF for uses with Dark Places and Demigorgons, Vigilante Cities. Vigilante City, really any kind of game like that, uh, that contains stats for all the villains from the Friday the 13th flicks. So the Friday the 13th Slashers Manual. Awesome. Check that out. Over at Lester's Ramble. Vance A, I mentioned how they um, will populate other people's, uh, you know, maps that come up. This is from one of Matt Jackson's maps. Um, you've got the map, I've got an image of the map there on the blog, and then you can download the free PDF that uh, Vance A, you know, statted out and stocked for you. Awesome stuff. I can't believe, you know, I've been talking for probably, I don't know how long it is to y'all, but going back and checking stuff, it's been, I'm, I'm, pushing three hours at this point well two and a half hours and i'm still just shocked by the awesomeness and there's still so much left to come so uh the bloggers just killed it this week polyhedral nonsense ng76 has got up a gamma world first edition fillable character sheet and artifact sheet for into old school gamma world check that out I was reading a post, I think it was at Grey Hawkery, can't remember exactly, but then there it was kind of reminded me that the Cannon Fire, the old Cannon Fire Greyhawk site had a bunch of free downloads, and I thought, I know I've got all this, but I thought, well, I wonder if everyone else does. So these are from, you know, some of them are, are you know, 10 years old or more for AD&D and, and everything else, but a bunch of free Greyhawk scenarios that you can download. Put up a link to that just in case there's people out there that weren't aware of these. You can download all that stuff for free. Tons of free game in there. Talked about Matthew Schmier at rendedpress.blogspot.com. Doing the work to keep an archive of all the zines that are coming out. Uh, you'll, you'll, you will not find a better um, compiled list of zines, OSR and otherwise, than you will at Rended Press. And Matthew, Matthew Schmier does their own zine that for whatever reason they they self-deprecatingly call worthless, but I love it. Toss Off Issue 7 is out now. You can download that for free over at Rended Press. And then finally on the free stuff. This is really cool. There's a show now, Carnival Row, on Amazon. I haven't seen it. The whole premise is like fairies and other mythical creatures living in, at the same time around humans. And it looks like they made the game 1879 into a show, you know? So, I mean, it's very, very close to how I picture 1879. Haven't seen it yet. My wife is really wanting to see it, so we're going to have to hook up Amazon Prime to watch it at some point. Um, but I wanted to get Amazon Prime at some point anyway, just to, I think that's what the Man in the High Castle, you know, Philip K. Dick-inspired um, show comes on there, but I'm, I'm subscribing to so many little things now that it's almost like paying for cable again, so we'll see. 
Um, but I did want to check this out. But anyway, there's a Carnival Row RPG now using the Cypher system that you can download for free. So, and it's like a full book, you know. Um, so, Monty Cook Games, Nerdist, teamed up with Amazon to create a Carnival Row RPG that you can download for free. So, that's a whole RPG using the Cypher system you can download. So, <clears throat> you know, tons of free stuff this week. What can I tell you? Um, download it all. All the links are over at the Thought Eater blog. I hope you are sticking with me because <clears throat> there is still a ton of cool stuff to get to. Um, lots of cool stuff, actually, on the miscellaneous front. Starting over at slugsandsilver.blogspot.com and, and Collagen TB's blog of Slugs and Silver. And they're talking about this Petite Albert... Uh, real 18th century grimoire of, of magic, um, that, you know, that, that, you know, exists where you can, you know, they've got a link where you can read it and whatever, whatever else. Uh, if you can read the, if you can read French, um, you know how bad my French is, but, uh, I'm off to a great start on this. But anyway, they put up several, um, posts about this recently using the spells from it, you know, talking about the spells and using the, spells in your game and everything and the one that i chose to put up was the petite albert table of contents the entire spell list because it's just interesting what some of the spells that are in this in this are uh like um to catch a spell to catch a lot of birds um a spell to keep away wolves you know um a spell to have sweet juicy great smelling melons uh, spell to keep pests from your crops, so you can see how it ties into the culture. Then, um, make a treasure-finding candle, uh, bomb against plague, uh, a spell to heal sword wounds, um, to make tin into silver, to soften ivory, uh, to dye your hair against bladder stones, um, against bad breath. You know, <laughs> you don't have a scope. Back then, you know, you got to cast a spell to get rid of that. Um, it says that love spells are the most common spell in there, about 20 of them. Um, along with a few slightly naughty ones, like how to make a person dance in their nightshirt. So, anyway, you want to see this spell list from a real uh, grimoire and uh, maybe give you some ideas. And I just found it fascinating, too. So, that's over at slugsandsilver.blogspot.com. There is a jousting mini game over at Rise Up Comus. Rise Up Comus, C O M U S dot blogspot dot com. Let's see if there's a name attached to this. By Josh. And uh, I thought this was a cool mini game. There's, uh, it's got a, like a die drop table to see, um, you know, where you hit and stuff. And, and, you know, I thought this was just an interesting jousting mini game that you could port into any kind of, you know, medieval or fantasy game. So this is cool stuff. So if you want to check out this jousting mini game, go over to riseupcomus.blogspot.com. Over at the Wall Street Journal, I know it's a little strange, but this was a um, this was a really interesting read. Will your uploaded mind still be you? Talking about scanning your consciousness into the computer where the science is now, mind uploading, pres preserving your consciousness. It's written by a neuroscientist, and this is just, uh, you know, pure 
Well, depending on you, who you are, it's either nightmare fuel or it's great for your cyberpunk game. You know, so will your uploaded mind still be you? Check that out from the Wall Street Journal. I just thought that was one of those kind of real life speculative science things that, that goes great with the RPGs. Uh, the last few weeks I've been talking about over at the Dark Sun Adventures, Adventures Under the Dark Sun blog, darksunadventures.blogspot.com. They've got some more of these Dark Sun trading cards up. I thought these were really cool. Uh, they've got this uh, halfling psionicist, presumably that'll uh, try to eat you, um, and uh, several other cards. So if you've been, if you like those, they've got a few more of those up. Uh, Delta over at Delta's D&D Hotspot. Probably a future Hall of Famer, you know. I love Delta stuff. They've been doing it a long time. They've got a cool post, or what make you think post, especially if you're in your old school D&D, really. Friday figures, outdoor areas. And this is talking about the whole thing where, you know, you use feet for distances, you know, inside or underground, and then you use yards outdoors. And there, you know, there was like a poll on who does this and who doesn't, you know, and then later in AD&D, it kind of specifies, no, no, the spell area is in feet, but, you know, the distances for your ranged weapons and everything is supposed to be in yards outdoors. You know, maybe that's good for wargaming distances or something. I, I don't know. Um, but as far as the way we ever play it, um, you know, I have on a few occasions outdoors let uh, things like darts and stuff go further, but it still just didn't feel right, even though that's kind of what the rule is, you know? I don't know. that, that could, I could have done probably a whole five-minute Friday on, on that topic. Um, I don't have any super fully formed thoughts. I guess I never really have the encounter distances so far away to where it really gets utilized anyway. Like, hey... You see those guys are, you know, they're 240 yards away. Let's, you know, start shooting, you know, and I'll start running you know, on the guy with no, with no range weapons, like, and I'll start running, you know, <laughs> um, anyway, but that's just one of those rules. It, 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 there's a, there is a weirdness to that thing. And it talks about how that rule developed a little bit throughout different editions and, uh, and, and, and how, um, Gygax is, uh, writing on it sometimes is a little contradictory maybe um uh, but anyway um it, I, th I found it interesting so that sounds like something up your alley check that out like i say i probably could have done a f five minute friday on that topic i think that's one that there could be uh, more discussion about at some point the goblin flowers of brother juniper brother juniper goblinmanor.blogspot.com put up a post love this post goblins Goblin RPG resources, and it's got all kinds of resources, links, and stuff that's all about goblins. And you know, you know, just something you wouldn't normally see. This has got everything you need, you know, everything you wanted to know about goblins, but were afraid to ask. Every possible link, resource you can imagine, all on the subject of goblins. They obviously love them, and uh, I think this was was awesome. I was like, you know what? That is like a great post. You know, that is like. <laughs> You know, if you're going to do something with goblins, go to the goblin flowers of Brother Juniper. Check out what Brother Juniper has done with this goblins post. It's the, uh, the end-all, be-all of goblin posts. So check that out. Alright, what do we got next? Okay, Charles Akins. Charles Akins has done a lot 
for blogging over the years. They did this Deaver's blog. Uh, now they do the Dragons Never Forget blog. And in the past, back in the Google Plus days, I remember them trying to do their best to kind of organize huge lists of blogs and stuff to point people at them. Uh, they they run a, um, a blog um, group on MeWe. So a fellow uh, lover of the blog, supporter of bloggers, and they blog, like I said, over at dragonsneverforget.wordpress.com. And they've got an interesting series they've been doing called the Gygax 75 Challenge. And it says, um, last night they were doing research for a project they were working on, and they rediscovered an article Gygax wrote for the old fanzine Europa, How to Set Up Your Dungeons & Dragons Campaign, and be stuck refereeing it seven days per week until the wee hours of the morning. And they've been following along with the different steps that Gygax um, outlined in that article. And so it's a whole series. I put up just a link that's tagged with the Gygax 75 challenge. So it's in reverse chronological order. You'll have to scroll down to the bottom to get to the first post. But you can follow along uh, with what they're doing, with what Charles is doing with the, um, the, their Gygax 75 challenge. And I thought this was cool because it takes you back, you know, to an old fanzine article. And then you see how, you know, somebody, you know, the misadventures of someone trying to follow Gygax's advice. So great series over there from Dragons Never Forget. And Charles, thank you for all the work you've done supporting RPG blogs over the years. And then finally, I'm over at the Wargaming Miscellany site, The Random Thoughts of an Ancient Wargamer. And this is... Robert Bob Cordry's blog. And uh, they have got these really cool pictures of all these miniatures and stuff set up at this museum um, in Valencia and uh, depicting life in the Spanish court at various times in the 19th and early 20th centuries. And I just thought this was cool if you're into minis, how they set up these scenes and everything the, with these miniatures and everything at this museum. Uh, pretty fascinating, and if you're into wargaming and stuff, it, it's kind of like drool time to look at it. Uh, so I thought that was cool. And did I get done with it? I think that's all the miscellaneous stuff. Alright, so the final topic. We are going to talk about this consent and gaming uh, product and checklist that has been released from Monty Cook's, Monty Cook Games recently. Um... If you're on social media around gaming, you've undoubtedly seen this get talked about. There's tons of blogs talking about it. Probably not a topic I would have talked about, but there, I saw it so many times that uh, it just felt like, you know, this is going on with the blog scene, so it's something uh, I thought that I would talk about a little bit. And I could have picked a, a number of different blog posts to put up about it, but the one I chose was Mark Craddock over at the Cross Plains blog, crossplains.com, because uh, I thought that they were pretty candid and and thoughtful about you know their opinions about it. Their basic gist is that their group doesn't need it, and they're glad for that, that they've got a group that they feel lucky to play with, that they've you know presumably been together for a while that talks about issues that they're not going to tell other people how to play their game um, they, on a personal level they think this checklist is might be a solution looking for a problem um, uh, but then they 
then they go on to say that as they coordinate in-store gaming, that they're studying this product to see if it could be a good tool to communicate what they'll tolerate from new RPG groups in their stores. Um, they've had issues with, you know, people at, at, in games before. Um, they want people to, as many people to come in and play at their store as possible, you know, including young people. Um, that they worry about maybe scaring people away by showing them a checklist. They freely admit they've been part of some toxic groups. They're thinking about how this could be helpful in conventions. And um, they finally say, to be honest, in a perfect world, I just scoff at this checklist and ignore it completely, but not everyone is comfortable confronting issues that disturb them, that they've encountered bullies in this hobby and this kind of thing. And so <clears throat> while, uh, you know, while you may not agree with 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 everything Mark said, uh, Mark was at least you know definitely honest and thoughtful and not outright cruel, uh, like some of the reaction that I've seen to this. It's not really worth dignifying, uh, other than to say that you know if if you know you can imagine, I knew when I I saw this, I knew that there. In fact, I knew some people that would uh, be, uh, you know, trolling others and just immediately, you know, calling people names and uh, uh, basically being cruel, you know, using it as an excuse to be, be cruel to other people. And if, if you can't discuss something without resorting to name calling and making fun of people, then you don't really have any credibility to talk about any topic. Um, so... That being said, most of the more thoughtful, you know, criticisms or just people's thoughts about this, you know, a lot of people love it. A lot of people, you know, immediately loved it and liked it. And those that did not, or, you know, that, that, uh, bothered to, you know, express a coherent thought rather than, um, you know, just making fun of others or whatever. Uh, it, it seemed like the criticisms kind of came down into two main points. One was a little bit about specific general uh, that I'm going to get into. And one was about player control over a game. Okay. And I'll get into that a little bit too. So what do I mean about the specific general thing? It's a very strange thing. It made me think about, you know, when I was younger, you know, long, long time ago, <laughs> uh, TV, you know, if, if, if there was going to be something on TV that was, uh, whatever adult content usually come on later at late at night, later at night, and there'd be, you know, some kind of disclaimer that would say, you know, this program contains adult content. And it would, like, leave it at that, right? But over time, it's gone from being very general like that, a general kind of content advisory, to being more and more specific. And so, like, I'll see now on, like, TV in, like, the corner of the screen, it'll say, okay, this has, you know... Scenes of torture, strong, pervasive language throughout, and, you know, whatever, brief 
female frontal nudity. You know, it'll be very, very, very specific, right? And I was thinking that part of the way, now I'm sure people of all different ages have reacted in different ways to this, but I think that there's been a kind of slow evolution over time where there's a, a, a more of an expectation now of knowing more specifically, more specifics about what the content of something is going to be, you know? Um, if even the most trollish of trolls talking about this thing, right? Um, probably wouldn't have a problem with saying, you know, in a convention game, okay, this is going to be an R rated 18 up game, you know, adult content, you know, kids don't need to be at the table or, if you're advertising for a game on Roll20, there's like a little 18 up box you can check where, you know, presumably that means that there, there could be, you know, whatever, you know, any kind of adult, you know, content, very general. And I don't think anybody has, has a real issue with that. I mean, you know, um, I don't think anybody has an issue with that. For some reason, there's an issue when it's made specific because when it's made specific, they get this checklist of little things that then they can then pick on or whatever. Because there are things on the checklist that you absolutely, like I would never even think of a million years of putting in my game, right? Um, you know, some of the, you know, child cruelty and stuff like this or whatever, right? Um, but then there are some other things on there that are maybe more obscure that it's kind of, you know, like I don't meet, you know, I gotta be honest. I don't meet a lot of people that have a, you know, problem with, you know, getting thirst, you know, thirst is on here, you know? So, you know, if you, you're getting thirsty in the game and needing a drink from your water skin or whatever, it's not something you root, you know, open-minded as you, you could be would necessarily ever expect or assume to be an issue. You know, people get thirsty every day of their lives. Um, you know, yeah, I have to just, you know, guess that presume that that's, you know, kind of like, you know, starvation, you know, you know, dying of thirst kind of scenario. And then you had other people that, that latched on to the, you know, the, the rats and spiders as being, you know, something on the list. Um, partly because they're so common, you know, they're some of the most common, you know, creatures or whatever in D and D and, you know, people are like, Hey, I'm not. I'm not going to stop using spiders or whatever, you know, and I don't know how many people out there, you know, are deathly afraid of uh, having a giant rat come into your game, but I'm sure it's a lot fewer than are cool with there being some kind of, you know, a pedophilia or, or this kind of crap, you know what I mean? So What is my point? Well, my point is there's just some, there's something there where that specific general friction, you know, for some people going from real general, you know, they're, everybody's cool, general, now it's an R-rated game, you know, 18 and above, could have adult content. People go from being cool with that to all of a sudden, if you're specific, then all of a sudden, you know, for whatever reason, they they have a problem with the different specific things. You know, I don't know. Just a thought that came to my mind while while I was thinking about this. 
The other thing is kind of this idea of player control, like a, uh, the player consenting to this and what needs to be in the game. And I think this kind of comes from, you know, just really honestly the old school kind of way of, you know, the the DMG, you know, for example, you know, the, the DM really being the only one, you know, with privy to all the rules, it being the, the DM's game, uh, DM's control. And I got to be honest with you, that's kind of the way I play um it's not to say you know if you're a dm that's you know mean to the players or doesn't run a fair game or whatever else you're, you're not going to have any players at your table so um i don't look at it like uh being the king of the table or something like that but even when i go and i'm a player at someone else's table if they mess up a rule if they have a house rule if they do something their own way whatever it is I don't say a dang word about it. It's a matter, it's just kind of just the way I've always learned and played and kind of was reinforced by the books or whatever um, that, you know, it's the GM's game, you know, I'm the player. I don't tell the GM how to make their world or whatever, you know. But, and I think that some people, you know, that's how they feel and that's kind of why they have a problem with a player, you know, having control over the game whatever else they're looking at it that way right that's how they're looking at this and then again this is something where i think has evolved over time as i was talking about the specific in general there's many more games and things out now where it's collaborative between the players and the referee hundreds of games like this where and and games that I like too, you know, you know if it's a game specifically set up that way, like Kids on Bikes would be an example where players are building the world with the the game master, and because those are more pervasive, I think now, I think that I think there's just more of an expectation of uh, player input. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, I'm just froth. I don't know, but uh, this is what I was thinking about. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a old school versus new school friction or anything necessarily. I, I just think that there are more than one perspective that you coming into these games at where, you know, some, for some people it's that the GM is the, um, you know, it's the GM's game and for other people, it's everybody at the table have an input on the game and I think that's maybe where 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 some of it some of it comes from because I, I'll tell you exactly how I felt when I when I saw it the first thing I thought is oh god you know I know that this is going to cause a lot of arguments between people something I, I don't want to see because you know there is a an inability for some reason I mean it's been probably just brewing and brewing for years but it doesn't matter what the subject is now it just you can't talk about you know, you can hardly talk about anything or have any subject come up without there being some, you know, kind of bloodbath of, uh, uh, of treating each other badly, you know, don't matter what the, the topic is. And, um, the internet has kind of always been that way and it continues to just kind of be that, you know, get worse and worse. I don't even think it's the anonymity of it anymore. It's just, uh, just, a it's it's not ways you could talk to people in real life, but there's just something about you know not being right in front of somebody maybe or I, that uh, you know what I mean. Um, so that that was the first thing I thought. It's like 
I'm going to be seeing a lot more from this. And, uh, but, but then I thought, you know, this is something I'll never really use. But then I thought about why that is. And the reason I never use it is because I'm like Mark said, I'm really lucky. And I've got a group I've been playing with for over 10 years. We know each other. We know, you know what I mean? Um, it's something I luckily don't have to think about because, uh, you wouldn't want to, if somebody's got, you know, like some of the things that lists on here, uh, uh, freezing to death, right? Well, if you got a new player and you know, their uncle froze to death and then your whole thing becomes this, you know, freezing, I, I, I wouldn't put that in, you know, I'm not, I don't want to deliberately, you know, hurt somebody or bother somebody, you know, and that's just a little bit different than saying, Oh, well, it's my game, you know, but you know, you, I'm still, you can make it your game. You can still really have GM control over everything and, um, and, and still be considerate, you know, considerate of other people. Now I'm sure there is for me, there definitely is. And for other people, I'm sure there is a line where if somebody came along with a checklist and had everything checked, you know, it'd be like, well, that's maybe not the right table for you. Just so like a player can, you know, walk away from a table. Uh, a, a GM has every right to, you know, say it's not the game for you. Like some of these horror games uh, that I run, it's like, you know, like I think I saw someone talking about Call of Cthulhu and, you know, elements from that, you know, this cosmic horror and doom and insanity and everything. And it's kind of like, you know, if that's, if, if you have a, you know, if, if I'm running Call of Cthulhu and you have a big problem with all those kind of, you know, the, the main elements of the game, you know, going back decades, it's probably just not a good fit. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of people gaming. I'm sure people can find a table that works for them. But, um, so anyway, what, what I'm, what I'm really getting at is I was thinking about, you know, I don't have a need for it, but I'm lucky in that way because I, it's not like I haven't had horror stories. And I started talking about this with my group the other night when we were running, you know, running our game. I talked about it a little bit and we all talked about some horror stories. Like one guy was talking about this creepy guy that was at a table one time, you know, playing this, you know, with just weird sexual stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, everybody's probably heard, you know, some horror stories. So, you know, there are definitely some, some, you can end up with some uncomfortable things. Like I played in one game, it was online and it was towards the end of the game. And, and one guy started using kind of autistic as like a slur, you know, as some people do or whatever. And then they said something after it, like, Oh, I'm autistic. doesn't matter. You know? And it's like, well, I, you know, it was just, it was clearly just kind of uncomfortable and, and, uh, and, just didn't feel appropriate. And if it wasn't already at the end of the game, it would have been the kind of thing where I would have just, you know, probably dropped rather, you know, didn't have to listen to somebody like that. You know what I mean? It's not worth playing if you got to listen to that kind of thing, but that wouldn't necessarily be solved by a checklist, you know, cause they, they just end up saying it, you know, and then it is hard in D and D and some of these games, you know, one of my pride, I take pride in, having a lot of random elements and not knowing where the game is going. 
So, but then there are other things on here where I would never in a million years think of having them in there. And, um, and what I was thinking about that is, you know, like I've never played in a game with some of these things on here. You know what I mean? Um, uh, so it, you'll have to look at it, but just like explicit sexual content and, and sex between PCs and, and all this. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the closest thing to anything like that, I think I can remember that I've ever had in a game was, um, you know, an NPC having a crush on, on, on like a bard. Cause they, they, they sang and performed, you know, at this club every night or whatever. And so she, 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 uh, kind of fell in love with the, the bard, you know, it was like a, kind of like a groupie, like an innocent groupie, no, nothing, you know, you know what I mean? And so reading some of this, it's kind of like, ah, oh, what games are other people playing? But then I thought about it, and this is another thing where it's kind of a generational thing. There are so many story games and that, and, uh, and more modern games that have, um, elements of all kinds of things that are way way different than classic games like that deal with like real trauma that deal with you know sexual relationships th th these kind of things and you know it's great if people want to play them i got no problem with it i'm not saying anything critical about it but i think for some people looking at this checklist and having a problem with it their expectations of a game may be different than other people's other people's might be nothing but romance nothing but this you know, it happens. I mean, people are different. People play ga different games. This is not just for D and D, you know, which is what it seems to be for a lot of people. You know, um, it's for you know other games too, right? You know, I had one uh, person tell me that you know their game they had. You know, this is just an anecdote, but they. You know, they leveled really slowly because they never had combat in their game. It was all this courtly intrigue and stuff like that. And I just put that out there as just an example of, you know, your game's not necessarily the same as someone else's. But there are millions, you know, not millions, but dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of story games and stuff dealing with traumatic, you know, situations or extreme violence or, you know, negative personal feelings, depression and, uh, or explicit sexual relationships or whatever else, you know, I've seen some of these things. Um, so, and, and when you're, when you're talking about stuff like that, talking about, you know, you're going to get into gaming on those kind of topics and everything, if, you know, you might want to kind of discuss what your parameters and things like that are on a more detailed level than saying, Hey, this isn't a game for kids or 18 plus, you know? The bottom line, you know, is that I saw someone say, hey, if you don't like it, you know, don't use it, you know. And I think that's the whole kind of, don't have, don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. It's good advice for little kids, and it's pretty good advice for adults too. You know, of course, you got to be able to talk about, if you can talk about stuff without, you know, cutting on somebody, uh, you know, it is, you have to be able to discuss things and, be critical of things. That's how we learn from each other. You know, that's, that's how we, you know, progress and learn about each other and, and see different sides of things. Right. But there's a way to do it. So ultimately this thing was like, you know, throwing a firecracker in the, the gaming scene in some ways, there was a lot of predictable reaction. 
sad to say. And then there's also been like I thought Mark's post overall was uh, was was thoughtful about it, you know. And so the bottom line to me is, you know, if it's something in some situations, I do think, uh, you know, there's there's room to be kind of more specific about what's in a game. You know, you don't want to show up at a convention and end up, you know, like this uh, convention game that happened uh, in England recently. You know, where you're the, uh, you know, the kids end up, you know, having been assaulted or whatever. You know, it's like, hey, have a great day at the convention. You know, uh, nobody wants to end up in that crap. You know, so I guess depending on what the content of your game is, you know, it's going to dictate, you know, how specific you need to be about, uh, and, and you know, to, to players and have players have a, have a choice on the matter. Uh, and then at other times, I think, you know, for me at least, um, something more general, you know, is, is, is more appropriate than an actual specific, specific checklist. But, um, whatever you do, you know, people should do what, what feels right to them. And, um, uh, and anyway, I know I've talked about this for a long time, but I had a bunch of thoughts about it. Um, and I'm interested in what other people think, you know? Um, so if, if you have any thoughts about anything I talked about today, including this topic, uh, let me know. And yeah, I think that's about enough on that. All right. So heck of a show. I told y'all, I told y'all it's going to be a lot, but hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciate folks listening. I hope you found some cool stuff that uh, you can check out. Um, and I'm very thankful to bloggers that are constantly putting out this awesome stuff, uh, giving me something to talk about. So um, anyway, I want to thank folks backing me on my Patreon. If you enjoy the shows, if you enjoy my blog, I want to invite you to join up on the Patreon. It's a dollar a month to support what I'm doing. So dollar a month sounds like something you can swing. You're liking the froth. Go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater and check that out. Next thing you will hear from me is going to be five minute Friday. I haven't decided exactly what I'm doing for it yet. Um, but I got a couple days to think about it. So, and, uh, if you are following along with my night below campaign sessions, we will be off this weekend. Um, not playing. I've got family coming into town and some other stuff going on. Uh, my beloved Bulldogs are playing Notre Dame, so going to be glued to the TV Saturday night. So I uh, won't be doing that, but maybe I'll drop something over the weekend. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, um, if you have any thoughts on any of the topics we talked about, you can message me on the Anchor app. It's a great thing about Anchor. You can Even if you're not podcasting on here, you can download the app and leave uh, messages on my show or any uh, any number of other Anchorites, legendary Anchorites do an RPG podcast, so it's really cool. <clears throat> Makes Anchor unique. Or you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Check out the blog. Again, it's got all the links we talked about today, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Logan, let's do it. Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind 
Thought Eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom,